0: can you hear me Yes. okay it's the first time of one of these so just bear with me and only the fourth time i've shared and this is definitely the biggest audience uh or you know believers so just bear with me please um my name is kyle compton and uh i grew up in hamilton i'm sure some of y'all know me um and uh I'm just going to sort of just tell y'all how uh, God came into my life. Uh, it says in John 6:44, No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up at the last day. And I feel like God is always drawing us, but it's not until we come to Jesus that we can look back and see that he did it. Because when we are lost in our sin, we really can't see how God is moving in our lives. If we look at the world's historical timeline, we get to be thankful that there is a BC time period, which stands for before Christ, because that means Christ came. Then there's the AD time period, meaning Anno Domini, which I had to look this up, and to my pleasant surprise, it means it's Latin for year of the Lord. Um, I'm thankful that by the grace of God, through faith in his son, Jesus Christ, I get to have my own personal timeline that now has a B.C. time period. And now, a year of the Lord time period until he calls me home. So I'm just going to tell about my before Christ time period. Um, I grew up in church. I went to Carter Church um, as a child, um, and I really didn't, I guess, like it as a child. Um, I was baptized and, and I was saved at a young age. You know, so I went kind of went through those motions. And but and then I even remember like looking back that uh, they I remember they asked me like how I felt I, I was really young but I still remember they were like how do you feel and I was just like I feel lighter and I remember everybody l- laughing and being like oh how cute and things like that but you know growing up and looking back now I can honestly say I, I did not know the Lord I did not know Jesus and uh, so as soon as I was old enough to get out of church, Uh, I definitely did that and I started working a job maybe around 15 or 16 and I when I got my own ride and things like that and I I didn't have to depend on people to take me places I I got out of church and um, and so I I started uh, and I always played sports and stuff and then uh, eventually I, I got into like you know smoking weed and drinking and then that led to other drugs and other things and I started doing harder drugs Um, I eventually moved away out to Atlanta uh, or close to Atlanta. This was the first time I actually moved out there for some crazy reason. I ended up moving out to Atlanta twice in my life. But the first time was just to get out of Hamilton because I'd gotten in some trouble and the cops were kind of like, we're going to see you back in here. We know your name, you know, because I had actually been to jail for a night for smoking weed. Um, And I just got out of town. I was like, well, they'll never see me again. And uh, I won't go to jail again. And so I go out there, and I'm doing all kinds of stupid things. And um, and then I got really depressed and sad. And my during this time period, my, my dad had passed away. And he lived in Hamilton. And um, and I never really got any uh, I never really got to say goodbye to him. I never had any last moments with him. It was we didn't spend any time together for a long period of time before he passed away and I'd gotten really bad, depressed, and sad, and I ended up moving to Mississippi, where uh, my mom lives, and my stepdad, and oh, I hated that, and and I was probably around 21 or so, and he had uh, his mother live next door, and during uh, like my hardest of times, I always just found myself somehow out in Hulka, Mississippi with, uh, we known her as Granny, and I would just be over there and just eating a meal with her, um, she never really preached at me or anything like that um, But she her presence she was just always so sweet and so loving and of course She's gonna cook you some food whether you wanted to eat or not And she just kind of sit there and I just always remember she sat right by this lampstand and I know in the Bible It talks about don't hide your lie under a bowl, you know put it on a lampstand And I, every time I read that I think about that lampstand that she set beside with that Bible and most times it would be open And she just, that's where she sit, right there by her Bible, all the time. And she just was so peaceful and loving to me and always comforted me, uh, especially in these dark times in my life. And then I end up uh, just kind of wanting to get out of that situation. So I end up moving back to Hamilton. Uh, I got a job and I was working. And then my buddy, who had lived out in Atlanta, uh, we always had kind of this dream together that we were going to do film production, and we were gonna do stoner comedy, and we were, you know, do, uh, and write screenplays, and, you know, and write little ske- ske- uh, sketches and stuff like that. So I ended up moving back out to Atlanta again, except for this time it was to, I had gotten off the, I guess, hard drugs, you could say, but, I, you know, I'm against all of that, but I just started smoking weed, and I thought, like, man, weed saves people from hard drugs, like, weed should be legalized, and we should all just be smoking marijuana, and it just makes you want to watch a movie and eat, and it can't be that bad. But it is definitely a silent devil, and it will it will take you away from the love of the Lord, which there's no obviously no comparison. Um, so I went out there for about five years or so and sort of was in the film production world in Atlanta, and worked on, helped work on some, I was like a production assistant. So I just helped carry talent around and help set up camera equipment sometimes and like carry around things. And I just was in this film world and I would see celebrities sometime and I would see like famous people and meet people who had the same desires and we'd get together and we'd just smoke weed and try to talk about comedy. And I thought, man, this is it, this is living. I'm, I'm following my dreams. Like this is, you know, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. And so did that for a while, and then you know I, I had to wait tables at the same time to kind of keep myself up, and I was just in I was just a big bad environment of just just a lot of unbelief, especially it seems to be darker in the bigger cities. But um, so we just went through uh, just living that life for a little while, and then I once again kind of got depressed because my car broke down. I was in the middle of working like a really good job. It was like with Cartoon Network, and I was just. I had an opportunity to get on set for one of their little things and I just thought that was the biggest thing. Then my car breaks down and I can't make it to the set. I lose that gig and then rents $1,200 between just a couple of people and I couldn't make the rent and I ended up having to move back uh, with my mom in Holcomb, Mississippi. And I was once again really depressed and just terribly sad about it. And once again, there was granny and I would be, in uh with granny and we would once again be eating and she'd just be calm she'd have the Bible out and I would just be like she's you know sweet just nice to me and just very comforting in my seems to be in my darkest moments and then so after that once again got tired of living with my mom and I moved back to Hamilton so I'm just kind of was doing this for a while and then I started working at Walmart and I always I worked there for about five years or so um, and during this time working at Walmart, I can tell you that these things always ate at me was the fact that every time I would try to be funny or still, I tried, thought I would still was gonna be a comedy writer, I thought I was still gonna be some funny guy, I still smoked tons of weed, um, I was just in relationships with uh, girls for just selfish purposes, um, and uh, so through, through through this time period, I was just, this always ate at me that I never uh, accomplished that dream or I felt like it might not happen or I felt like a failure and people at Walmart would be like "Oh, you missed your call and you should be a comedian and of course they're trying to like give me a compliment but it was something that always ate at me that yeah I know like I should be out in Atlanta writing f- comedy you're writing film and I should be some big something and I should be following my dream and it was just something it was a constant gnaw at me um, and maybe a lot of people just didn't know that and myself included, I didn't know how bad that affected me. I had a lot of uh, hate for people at Walmart, especially upper management. Uh, I was just super upset anytime something went wrong, and I'd always try to justify it by saying, like, "Well, they should be doing better. They sh- don't mess with me, you know. Don't you don't want to step on my turf? Like, like I'm, I'll mess with you, you know. I'll mentally try to terrorize you, and I just so you know, so full of hate, but. Um, but most people might have would have viewed me as man. That's Kyle. He smokes weed. He's laid back. He's got things figured out. You know, I had a lot of people that would I guess buy into that. And um, so I'm I'm working at Walmart, um, and this is just just kind of my life at the time. And then my mom calls me, and she says, uh, one day randomly, I'm sitting there playing. I played a lot of video games. I I would cuss at a TV screen, um, and just. I was ridiculous and I just smoked a lot of weed and then my mom calls me and I'm, I'm sitting there smoking weed and she says hey Granny's. Um, she's in you know basically she's on her deathbed and I even had the thought like I'll just you know I'll just go tomorrow you know like I'll see her again eventually I'm you know I'm I don't want to go right now I'm too high and but it's you know I just felt something you know telling me you know just just go you never know you know and um so i ended up driving to tupelo uh i walk in and i see my granny drawled up in the hospital bed and she's you could just tell she did not look like the last time i saw her she looked really bad you could tell it was close to the end for her and i just started crying i just broke down crying and i was i was you know i was hurt Then i remember leaving the room and i come back into the room I drank some coffee to kind of try to sober up, and then I know the family started gathering around at this point, and we were all sharing uh, granny stories, happy granny stories, and you could see her breathing start to pick up uh, every time, like, a happy moment would start to be told, and I was like, that's awesome, like, granny can hear us, like, she can't respond, but she's hearing her family around her sharing these happy memories. And I, so I felt better about it, and I was like, okay, you know, I've been there for about an hour or so, and I was like, I think I'm going to go. I was like, this was good. I'm glad I came. And I, I remember leaning in and hugging Granny and telling her, you know, you're, you're going to a better place because I just thought if anybody's, if anybody's going to heaven, it's Granny, you know. And I was just, I remember leaning in, and I hugged her, and uh, I just said, you're going to a better place. Just hang in there, Granny. And even though I didn't really believe it or know anything about that, I just was like, just hang in there and I remember leaving and I got about 15 minutes from home and my mom called and um and this is just this is just my feeble mind's attempt to look at how God was drawing me in to Jesus um and my mom called and she said uh granny passed and instead of like breaking down and crying I just had this like this moment of peace like like okay like, I'm glad I got those moments with her. You know, I, I'm glad I got that. And um, so I ended up going to the funeral, and there was a preacher, Brother Kevin Merritt, and it turns out that's kind of how I connected with uh, Brother Israel. And um, he was at the uh, funeral, and I remember him sitting around as they were lowering her into the grave, and he was like, Who around here said that she read her Bible every day? And um, one of the sons was like, yeah, she, she read her Bible every day, faithfully reading it. And he's like, man, that blesses my heart because I know a lot of people who come to my church or I know a lot of Christians that they don't, they can't say they read their Bible every day. And I hadn't really ever really read the Bible. I'd given it a try two or three times, but I always got to the so-and-so begot so-and-so and so-and-so begot so-and-so, and I would just be like, ah, just don't, this ain't for me. And I never really gave it much of a try and um so uh brother kevin was like um he's like well that that blesses my heart and i just remember sitting back thinking like why do they even go to church if they don't read their bible like this that doesn't make any sense and i just had all these questions and it was just like i just was for some reason i was just getting very curious and um so lowers into the grave and i remember uh coming back home but i remember after she passed away i was in a relationship that wasn't going anywhere and it was just selfish purposes is why i was in it and um and i remember thinking i need to do better like i need to get my life together uh, because i'm just not living right here's granny she's 92 and up until a couple of years right before she died she got up every morning at 4:30 in the morning And went to work she dug in her little worm bed she would cook food for everybody and um, I was just like and here I am I I just simply work one little job and I just smoke tons of weed and I just you know I just play video games like that's all I'm doing so I ended up uh, letting my uh, girlfriend at the time know like and she'd always tried to leave me so I don't think she was very disappointed. But I remember calling her and being like, Listen, if this if we're still not going anywhere, I was like, I think it is time, unfortunately, that we you know, we need to go our separate ways and and I remember calling my mom, like, How do I get through this? And I just remember for some reason her saying, Just stay busy. So I was just like, Okay, I'm just gonna stay busy and I would try to think about granny each morning. Like I would wake up at four thirty and I started running every morning and I started after I'd get off work, I'd go run again and I just tried to stay busy And um, and, but I still was just smoking uh, all the time. um, And I was just trying to do better on my own is really what it was. So for two months, this carried on. And then my mom invited me out to church, Brother Kevin Merritt's church. And I I went out to, uh, to his church, but it was like a weekend event thing. And it was a Saturday and a Sunday. And I remember I went on that Saturday And it was when Alabama played Mississippi State, and this was just a year and four months ago. So it was when Alabama played Mississippi State, and Tua was the quarterback. And he had got hurt in that game, and they thought he would never play again. Like, he hurt his hip. I don't know if anybody remembers that. But I remember hearing that news from some of the guys that went to church there. And, of course, this is a Mississippi church, so none of them were Alabama fans. And I wasn't trying to, like, I'm an Alabama fan, so I didn't mention anything. But one of them came up and was like really excited and they were like, hey, did y'all hear about Tua? He may never play again. And I was like, what? Like what happened to Tua? And they were just like, yeah, he just he might not ever play again, he got hurt. And then all of a sudden I noticed they all kind of got quiet, like this guy might be an Alabama fan. And I was just like, I was like, are y'all talking about the, the quarterback with the, the, like I didn't say it, but I was thinking this, you're talking about the quarterback with the crosses under his eyes? Like the only Christian quarterback I even know of other than maybe Tim Tebow. And, um, but I remember just leaving that day and thinking, like, man, what what kind of, what is this? You know, like, that was my, I was so lost, and I was so blind, and I really didn't, I really just wasn't a believer. And uh, so the next day, it's time to go to church. And I go to church, and I remember just looking at everybody in there and just thinking, like, do they really believe this? Like, here comes these guys that were kind of, you know, hoping Tua had lost his career and things like that. And I just really was in a negative place about it all and just looking around at everybody. like, And I was trying, I actually was trying to listen to the preacher. Like, wh- like what, it, what, are, what are they thinking? You know, like, do they really believe this? So I was just more so reading the audience kind of the situation or, you know, reading the people in the church. And... Um, And I remember leaving church that day, and I was just, I tried to listen, and I was just like, I guess, you know, um, I guess that makes sense, you know. And and I ended up getting in the vehicle with my mom, and she's like, so, what'd you think? And she's all excited, you know, and I'm just like, all I can think about is like, do you know what they said yesterday about Tua? And my mom was probably thinking like, he's never going to believe. Like, he... She's like, they shouldn't have said that. You're right. I'm sorry. And she just cranked up the vehicle and just rolled out. And I was just like, I just can't wait to get back home and smoke. I was like, this is ridiculous um, kind of situation. Because I was putting my hope really in people. It's kind of what I was doing. And that, w- what we talked about in Sunday school, man, you you cannot put your hope in people because they will always let you down. I'm not saying you can't trust people and love people because that's what we are called to do. But, but the hope. Of, you know of our salvation and what jesus did on the cross if we put that hope in other people to make sure if they're living it that that okay now i'll go live it because maybe they are it's dangerous and um so i was uh so that was my church experience the sunday before i was saved and then wednesday came around and one of my friend's mom's she, she came in uh, to my job, and she said, hey, and I was like, hey, and she's like, say a prayer to your buddy for me, and she, I don't know if she meant it as far as Jesus. I'm not sure how she really meant it, uh, but I was just like, I was like, okay, so that day, I remember just thinking, like, if I'm going to pray for somebody else, like, who, do, who would I pray to, you know, and I, I just— thought about my granny, you know, I've been trying to like use her as motivation uh, for my my strength and like getting through the day and trying to be a better person. I thought about, um, I just come out of church and Brother Kevin. um, And I was just like, you know, I'll just pray to Jesus. I was like, if I'm gonna pray for somebody else, I didn't even know what the situation was. I was like, I'll just pray to Jesus. And so that night I worked two jobs. So I was dead tired, but somehow I still remembered at the end of that night, I was like, I'm gonna pray for her to Jesus so I got down and it was just a simple prayer and I was just like Jesus my friend's mom's going through some things just be there for her. amen and that was it and um, I went to sleep that night you know nothing crazy I wasn't like Lord show me yourself you know not just nothing crazy uh, I went to sleep that night I, I woke up the next morning and um, I, I worked my two jobs except this night at uh, UPS, my second job, I was uh, working with this guy, and he was 62 years old. He was built like a brick house, because um, he, he was a cop in, uh, the, in South Florida during the cocaine wars in the 80s. So I was like, man, this is a man's man. Like This guy is cool. He hadn't said two words to me since we worked together. Um, he always had his hat built down, and he was just always, never cracked a smile, never said a word. And, but I was like, I wish I could talk to this guy one day. I bet he's got stories. And um, so we end up getting stuck on the gas pumps together. And the UPS trucks are coming in and our job is just to fuel them and put it in a, a little electronic device and notate that. And I just remember we were working side by side. He still wasn't saying anything. I was like, "This is gonna get pretty awkward for four or five hours." And um, and he was just like, uh, he, his handheld wouldn't work, and he couldn't put the information in correctly. And it just he just snapped, and he was like, "Son of a mother!" And he's just just the most colorful. And I, I I used to I used to speak just like that. So in the moment. I was just like, yeah, man, let it out. Like, this is cool. I cuss too, man. Blah, 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 blah. I was like, man, we can be cool. And, um, but in that moment of him just letting loose, I had this brief remembrance of, of my dad. And I was just like, man, I haven't heard somebody and it's, it's funny how the Lord works because he'll use anything. And I was just like, oh, I haven't heard someone put together a string of cuss words like this since my dad was around. And i was just like this guy's cool and i was just really relating it to the guy just being super cool and um and then in, in my mind at that point in time and then later on that night uh, once again we have another uh moment where we're talking about fasting and i had been running every day twice a day i've been wanting to like i've been looking into fasting into getting in better shape and doing things and i knew this guy was doing something And so I so we started talking about like health things and stuff like that. And then it led to him. He's like, yeah, um, around 10 or so years ago, um, I had a massive heart attack from um, smoking cigarettes and almost died. And they put a stent in my heart. And uh, the doctor said I'd have to quit smoking and get in better shape or I was going to die soon. He said, so that just that was it that motivated me. And I started getting in really great shape. And I was like, that's awesome, man. I was like, "That's that's cool." I was like, "Congratulations, you know, like way to still be here." And um, but once again, I didn't say it to him. But once again, I had a brief remembrance of uh, my dad. And and right around the same time, this man had a massive heart attack from smoking cigarettes and almost died. My dad had a massive heart attack from smoking cigarettes and did die. So I was just like. I, but in the moment, it was just like, that's great. That's cool, man. Like that's I didn't tell him that or nothing. I, it's, it's just a brief remembrance. And I was just like, that's crazy. I was like, that, that, that's cool, man. It's, I'm glad you're still here. So going home that night, I don't think about that guy. I was dead tired. I just worked two jobs. I don't think about that guy anymore. I don't think about my dad anymore. And I don't think about the fact that I just prayed to Jesus for the first time in my life the night before I I just didn't think about any of that. And then I get home, um, nothing unusual. I passed out and went straight to sleep. And then, and no dreams, nothing crazy. And then at 5.30 that morning, I was dead asleep and I just shot open and I just said, dad, and tears just started running down my face. And I just called out without, any thoughts. I just said, Jesus. And I was just broken. And I felt this weight of all these things I've just been carrying with me for so long. I just felt it all just come off. And I just started saying, I'm sorry. I didn't know. I'm just sorry for everything. And it says in the Bible, you know, you are to repent from your sins and there wasn't like a particular sin on my mind that I was thinking of it was just I'm sorry for everything and I just laid in bed and I just said I'm sorry I'm sorry over and over and over again and I knew by the time I got out of bed that I was gonna live for Jesus and I just knew it and then so so my mindset going into that night this is where I was I was i just got single and i thought at the time i was gonna start working at ups making 30 something dollars an hour i thought i was gonna have all of it figured out um i you know i was gonna have money i was single i was gonna start telling women like i'm tired of relationships like i was gonna be i was gonna start being honest with women and just you know let them know like i'm not looking for anything serious you know if you want to have fun and that was that was my mindset uh I, i had weed stored up and money set off aside that I was going to start selling weed. I had a guy that a great weed connect that was growing his own weed and I was going to start selling weed. And I, I had all this, this anger built up inside of me for people that I had worked with. And when I, when I got up that morning, I was just, and it says in the Bible, you're, you're born again. Uh, you're given a new spirit, a new heart. And I went into work and I, and, Well, before that, I picked up my weed that I normally would have smoked and went straight into work. And I just threw it in the trash. Uh, I ended up giving away all the money I had saved up for weed. Uh, I gave away all my weed. I should have just burned it. But I gave it away to friends, and I've seen some of them come to the Lord since then. And they were like, sure, I'll take it, whatever, man. And I was just like, I'm telling you right now, I'm done. I was like, and I just tried to share Jesus with them, but. I didn't realize, like, that you can't just tell somebody, you know, Jesus is is real, you know, we need to live for him, and, you know, you can't just do that and expect that, um, but I really wanted that at the time, and I went into Walmart, and I just started telling everybody, like, hey, you guys, like, Jesus, do you know Jesus, and, like, people would come up to me, and they'd be like, Kyle, how's it going, and I'd just be like, listen, and I would try to share Jesus with them, and, over time i have seen people come to the lord like i think i counted it up i've seen 18 or so people in my family or friends that never was going to church and now i'm seeing them get into church some have like rededicated their lives um and and some have come to the lord and um so i'm just very thankful for that um but uh in like relationship with girls i would or i'd walk up to people that i had so much hate in my heart for especially upper management And I just would see them and know that they're looking at someone who used to have a problem with them. And there was this conflict. And it was like I was, it's like those little fish that you see on The Chosen right before the show pops off. And you see the one little fish start going in the other direction. It is just like that. And I I started walking up to like people, like there was one instance, there was a guy who, um, who we had, we actually had a physical altercation, and we were like, we were going to meet up somewhere. Like, I could not stand this guy, and I know he could not stand me. And I remember seeing him and just thinking, like, I just put my head down because I knew that he, there was going to be this moment that I didn't want anymore. And um, and he just was like he, like, he took it as like I was cowering away, but I just knew, I was like, man, there's more. I just wanted to share Jesus with everybody, and um, there was girls that I just flirted with at work, and there was nothing, no true intentions with them. And I'd walk up to them, and they expected this flirting, or they expected like, like this 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 person that I was trying to make myself be. And I, I just cut all that out, and it's just really, how can you, how can you show the love of Jesus if you know you're. you're if someone's expecting flirting and things like that and I just knew I had to like cut all that stuff out and I just sort of watched the Lord work on me as I was working in Walmart and having to see who I used to be and who I was then and um so I called my mom and I was just like mom can I come back to church and she was just like what I was just like can I just come back out to church and um so I go back out to church that Sunday, and just the Sunday before, I was so blind. And as I come into church, the, the very next Sunday, I could just see, I just seen believers. I was just like, like I'm sorry for even being mad at y'all last Sunday. Who cares about football? That's so stupid. And and I knew at the end of the preacher, I knew if I felt called to go down, you know, to the altar, I definitely was going to. Um, And I did, and I went down, and I was just, got down, and I was praying. Brother Kevin prayed over me, and he's just like, you know, son, is there anything, you know, you want to say? And I was just like, oh, Jesus is real, you know? he, He just prayed over me, and he was just like, son, you've inspired me here today, and thank you. And I just wanted that, I just really wanted people to see that Jesus is real, and that he loves us, you know, more than we can possibly imagine. Um, and and that's, that's sort of what happened. And then uh, I just want to share some uh, some of my favorite verses uh, that I've come to learn. Uh, I really didn't know. I didn't even know there was a Paul in the Bible. Uh, you know, Paul to Saul, I always just thought that was some little story. Really, all I knew, you know, I knew Jesus had died on the cross. Um, you know, I knew you know for our sins, but it really did not make sense mentally to me but it was something I, be, I believed and knew in my heart. And as I started to read and I just believed and I just knew that this was the truth and this is how we are to live. And um, it just, it, w- it would speak to me. Um, in Ephesians 6, 5, I, I listened to a sermon and a, a pastor said, one of the best books you can read as a new believer is Ephesians and start applying those truths to your life. And one of them said, Servants, be obedient to them that are your earthly masters, according to the flesh, with fear and trembling, in singleness of your heart, as unto Christ. And I was just like, Man, I, at Walmart, I don't know if anyone's ever worked at Walmart, but I thought, I've got a lot of earthly masters at Walmart. And a lot, I'd made enemies with a lot of them. And um, so I just started to be obedient no matter what. Like I would just like okay like you want me to do that and I know we've had battles and moments in the past but I need to I understood that I needed to pray and I needed to let God handle it and I just needed to be obedient to the word and trust that they could see Jesus in my actions and and, and in in me caring for them and I watched and it took a little while because people would kind of mistake it as as weakness Um, but As time went on, I started to watch these people who were over me, they could tell, and I didn't have to just tell them or preach at them or pray, like, you better not mess with me, God's going to get you. It was just genuine prayers that they would understand and see that I'm not their enemy. And so after time went by, I watched these people come up to me and ask me to pray for people for them. And I would just be like, you know, like, I know I didn't do that in my own strength and I just, all I did was obey what the Bible was telling me to do, and people were coming up to me curious about Jesus, and I just knew that that was not my doings. Um, another one of my favorite verses, the Ephesians 6:12. Uh, we wrestle not with flesh and blood, but with principalities, with powers against rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places, and that, that verse spoke to me too because I started to understand that I, I had no more battles with people I had no more battles with flesh um, I wouldn't have to no longer do that now I'm not saying that I don't have moments where I get into that but I remember that verse and I remember it is a spiritual battle that we are in and that our weapons are love, prayer and the truth of God and I've just watched just things that I used to let eat me up I let God handle it and it and that verse is just so powerful for my walk and, and you know and continues to be um, uh, the brother uh, Ben I've heard him mention this that it is a daily surrender it's not something that we surrender like I used to think I'm gonna get down on my knees and I'm gonna surrender my whole life you know and or I'm gonna give this and, and do all these things and just continue to surrender uh, or, or like one big surrender like oh you know like God really you know you know that was genuine and but then I started to realize it is a daily surrender uh, this verse helps so don't worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will bring its own worries today's trouble is enough for today and as you realize that if you just think about that day and it's something I still remind myself of of course it's, it, this is definitely for me um, and into Be like, just give him the morning, you know, or give him till lunch or give him till, you know, five o'clock that day. Like, just surrender that morning and then get back in prayer. Surrender the rest of the night. Like, and just sort of stay in a daily surrender of having him on your mind. Um, That's very powerful to me. Um, For example, at NTN, um, where I was working, this guy comes up to me. And I always, too, I'll look for moments, even when it sounds simple and ridiculous, to apologize or to to tell someone you're sorry for something there was a man who uh I was working and he come up behind me and he and he doesn't seem like a very happy man and he was just like and I thought he was like growling at me so I just was like and you know and we worked like 12 hours that day so like it was just this weird moment we had and all of a sudden he was just like you'll be my age one day and he just kept walking, and I was just like, oh, no. Like, he thinks I was mocking him because he was groaning. I was like, and, and the old me would have been like, you know what? If you're that weak-minded, like, just go on and don't, you know, don't look at my direction and just keep moving. Do your little job. I'll do my job. We just won't talk anymore. But I knew, like like, God working on my heart, and I was just like, All right, I'm going to apologize, and it was a whole weekend went by, and I come up to him on a Monday, and I was like, hey, man, I know we had like a little moment on Friday, and he's just like, yeah, and I was just like, I just want to say I'm sorry that I I thought you were growling at me, so I just growled back, (laughs) just kind of trying to be funny, and he was just like, oh, oh, yeah, no big deal, and I was just like, I just wanted to say I'm sorry, and I wouldn't do that, and he was just like, oh, no big deal, no big deal, but I could tell in the days after it had softened his heart towards me. And, you know, we started having light conversations, which wasn't happening before. And I know if I would have just closed that off and let, you know, the fleshly moment affected, you know, how I viewed him and not to understand that that was a, you know, an opportunity for a spiritual moment, I just knew that he, it would just turn into something else. And I was, I'm just thankful that, you know, God can open your eyes like that. And it's Really, in these small moments of obedience in the Bible, that God can really work big things in our lives, and I believe that. Um, oh, another thing: Am I running long? Is this? I don't know. I don't feel like. I'm, I'm sorry. Uh, Romans eight twenty eight, and we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love Him, who have all been called according to His purpose. And I, I truly love that verse because, you know, it lets you know that no matter what you're going through, if you genuinely do love God, you know, and you're living for God, it doesn't matter if something terrible might happen to you or if something really awesome or if you st- happen to stumble in your walk, that you know God can still use that for good and for his glory. And to me, that's just so comforting. And I, I found this, this little story, uh, Joni Tata. An inspirational speaker, author, and singer is a quadriplegic who has been confined to a wheelchair for more than 40 years. When people ask her why God allows suffering, she often says God allows what he hates to accomplish what he loves. And what does God love? For people to enter into a relationship with himself and become more like him. Joni's life and ministry are an amazing testimony of how God can use a tragedy like paralyzing diving accident to impact the lives of millions. Um, and I just thought that was just amazing um, that that he can still, no matter what may happen that we think is bad in our lives, if we just love God and we, we want to live for him, he will make good out of any situation. That's very comforting for me. Um, And that's that's all I got. That's my that's my testimony. That's how I came to the Lord. Um, And I'm just thankful. And I appreciate y'all letting me share uh, that with y'all. And uh, I want to say, too, that the worst day walking with the Lord is better than the best day walking without him. I truly mean that from the bottom of my heart. And uh, thanks, guys.